0: Good morning, Grantham Church. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Welcome to Church Online. It is the sixth Sunday of Easter, May 17th, 2020. And we're continuing to worship through the liturgy and the videos that we're each week at granthamchurch.org forward slash liturgy. If you're new to Grantham Church and you're joining us online for worship, maybe for the first time, we hope you'll click on the Connect card in the right-hand margin of the liturgy page. And take a minute or two to share some helpful information with us. We'd like to know who you are, how we can connect, how you would like to engage with us and how we can best serve you. Please don't let physical distancing stop you from connecting with us. Because as I've been saying here at Grantham, we're not closed as a church. We're just doing church differently during this global pandemic. And if you'd like to see what that means for us, what being and doing church looks like at Grantham during COVID-19, please check out our Staying Connected page. We continue to update this page with resources, ideas, and helpful information to assist you in being the church and keeping to the way of Christ in our current reality. Anyways, whether you're already a member or you're joining us for the first time, I want to thank you for connecting with our church family and invite you to continue worshiping the risen Jesus with us with open ears to hear him, open eyes to see him, and open hands to receive and respond to his call on your life. Let's do that together. Before we join together in the prayers of the people, which traditionally comes before the offering at Grantham Church, I wanted to take a moment to thank you for your faithful financial giving. Last Sunday's offering was just over 6,000, but we received 14,000 last week and 24,000 the week before. So while our week to week has been very up and down through COVID 19, overall we're doing well financially. And as you can see reflected in our giving update each week in the body life of the email from the pastor. If you want to see that, I sincerely want to thank all of you who have found new channels for the church to receive your support, whether that be online, the mail, or via text. Your determination to give has been impressive, Grantham Church. So, in spite of not meeting in person for worship for the past 10 weeks, our giving has been above last year and above our budget for this year. As I mentioned earlier this week, due to our giving, we made the decision to release our designated gifts to our ministry partners, Paxton. New Hope, Friends Over Fences, and Mennonite Central Committee through My Coins Count. Now, to do that now rather than waiting until later in the year, which would have been our normal plan. And we know that these important ministries have significant needs during this time, and we want to bless their work. So praise God that we're able to do that. Also, we've been able to maintain our commitment to the Brethren in Christ Common Ministry Fund for our denomination. And we know that the denomination greatly appreciates our care for the greater BIC family. Church, our gifts are truly touching lives here in our community and around the world. The body of Christ is at work. Thank you for making that possible. Let's keep up the good work of furthering the kingdom together. Let's go to God in prayer and offer up our thanksgiving, our supplication, concerns, and requests to God. Let's let's pray. Father, we want to begin by thanking you for your Son, Jesus, the resurrected Christ, Through whom you created the world and are now recreating it through your spirit, albeit in a slow, power-under, long-suffering sort of way. Help us to know that and to have eyes to see what you're doing in the midst of our chaos. As the Apostle Paul said, to believe that you are near so that we would think about whatsoever things are true, noble, right, pure, excellent, and praiseworthy. We do this so, so we might know the peace which transcends all understanding. Therefore, God, we want to thank you for all of the little things, signs of your goodness. God, we also want to thank you for what you're doing through our congregation during this pandemic, for the ways we're being missional in our community as we've continued to pray and to thank you for Patty Hess and our team of volunteers serving on the mask force. We praise you that over 697 masks have been provided so far to folks in our church and out in our community. God, for Julia Johnson and Valerie Boland, we continue to pray for them as they bless the poor, the homeless, recovering addicts, and others in need in our community. We ask for your protection, that you would empower them. We thank you that, that lives are being saved through their work. Also, God, for those in our congregation who are doing small things with great love, things that may never make the news, things that we may never hear about, but, Lord, we trust that you're taking our gifts and offerings and multiplying them in your power. Church, now take a moment and share what you're thankful for this morning. God, for people in our church family, we now pray. We pray, Father, for Beth Huffnagel, who lost her mother on Friday. Uh, God, we just ask for your peace for Beth and Mike and their entire family Lord, as they grieve the loss of Beth's mother, we thank you for a, 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 a long life lived serving you, praising you, and, and, and devoted to you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for her life. For, for those, God, we continue to pray for who've had a cut in pay or have been furloughed, we pray for your provision. God, we pray your blessings on Ed Mays and our custodial staff, for Lisa Mays and Jill Stauffer, our support staff. We also lift up Tiffany Burroughs and Glenn Pierce, Doug Curry, Brad Statnick, Lana Flowers, Dale Fogelsanger, and others in and outside of our congregation who are not able to work right now. God, we especially pray for your peace in their lives during this time, even as some of them still wait on their unemployment checks. God, shine your light into their hearts today. God, we continue to pray for our widows in our congregation, for those who are single, who live alone. We ask you to surround them with your peace, love, and comfort and that they would be able to stay connected via technology. God, for those struggling with anxiety and depression, may they too have a real sense of your presence, of your peace and love and comfort. Shine your light into their hearts. God, for moms and dads at home, continue to give us patience and the strength to persevere. And God, for marriages, we pray for the strengthening of bonds and the deepening of love while we're on lockdown. God, for our church leadership, we pray for our pastoral staff that you'd help us to lead with a non-anxious presence. Help us to grow together and lead well during this time as we seek to discern how your spirit is moving us into your good future. For the church board, Lord, help them also to lead with a non-anxious presence and a hopeful spirit as they work with the staff in navigating COVID-19 and plan ahead with many unknowns. God, for our deacons, we pray that our deacons would receive your strength and courage to minister to our congregation. Lord, bless each of our deacons, calm their own fears and anxieties as they serve. And we continue to pray for all of our hospital workers, doctors, nurses, caretakers, first responders, those who work in mental health care, folks in our congregation, Lord, like Cheryl Wolf, Heidi Curry, Linda Pierce, Ange Wanger, Christina Weber, Misha Warner, Kathy Line. Kelly Martin, Aaron Brinzer, Rachel Maury, Marnie O'Donnell. God, we ask that you would protect them and empower them. Church, who else in our congregation would you like to lift up in prayer? Do that now. And God, for our community... We pray for Messiah College, for the administration of the school, for Kim Phipps, Randy Basinger, Allison Noble, Cynthia Wells, and others. Lord, those facing some of the most difficult decisions ever for Messiah, for, for the faculty as well and the students who are taking final, final final exams and coming to an end of a challenging semester. Give them all your peace, patience, and wisdom as they finish up the semester and discern the road ahead. God, for our public schools and private schools in the area. We continue to pray for all of our administrators and teachers, the children and youth learning at home. Bless them as they make difficult decisions, as the teachers navigate challenges connected with their students and finishing up the year and planning ahead for whatever's to come in the fall. God, please, also we ask that you please deliver those children and spouses who are in abusive homes at this time. For businesses and workers down the road from Grantham Church, for the food mart down from Rollo Court, for our local Wise and Giant stores, for Zimmerman, Snavely, and Son Automotive, for Turkey Hill, for McDonald's, JoJo's Pizza Town, for Brothers Pizza, for 10,000 Villages, and PNC Bank, and, and others, God, we, we pray your blessings on them. For neighborhoods in, in Grantham, Oakwood Hills, Bumblebee Hollow, Messiah Village, Ashcombe Farms, and beyond, we pray your blessings on the people and families there. Church, who else in our community do you want to mention in prayer at this time? And Lord, for our ministry partners, for New Hope, Friends Over Fences, Paxton and Mennonite Central Committee, We ask for your protection, provision, and strength to persevere. Bless all of their ministries and the work that they're doing. Jesus, for all of those who work in life-sustaining businesses, we thank you, God, for those who continue to make it possible that we have what we need to care for our families. For our scientific community and frontline health care workers, we thank you for their vocational call to service. And we also pray that you'd keep them safe and healthy. And God, of course, for those who've been infected with COVID-19, we pray for their healing. God, we ask that you would bring an end to this virus and make our world better through it all. Take this terrible pandemic that has impacted our country and our world on an economic as well as mental and spiritual level, and Lord, bring good out of it for the glory of your name and your will. For our missionaries, we pray for the Owen family in Malawi, for the Bundys who are at the missionary house. We praise you, God, that Bruce and Murley's financial support is coming in. We give you thanks that they've been able to meet the technical challenges of online ministry. And also we praise you that a Madrid church member, Amalia, who had held a dying COVID-19 patient in her arms without any protective gear beyond gloves and survived her quarantine with no virus symptoms is doing well. Lord, we know also, though, that Amalia has lost her job due to a lack of clients, so we pray for encouragement provision for her large family. We also continue to pray for Lisa, as she serves in a region of the world that is more hostile to the gospel. We also continue to pray for Phil and Elaine Tuma, who are at Macha Hospital in Zambia, and have asked that we would pray for their scientists and technologists, that they will quickly learn the new techniques and protocols, that their diagnostic machines will also keep working with the heavy workload. Also, God, we pray that you would make it so that the Tumas can Get a safe return flight to the U.S. as soon as possible. Lord, make it so and bless them all with your peace. And God, we also want to lift up our leaders in government. As Paul told Timothy, we want to offer up prayers and petitions for them, for the president, for Congress and the Senate, for our governor and all those in civic authority that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Despite the brokenness of humanity, of partisan politics, and whatever ulterior motives that might be at work in our leaders, we pray they would overcome those things in your power and do what is best with the most accurate information that they have. In the name of Jesus, we rebuke Satan and the principalities and powers that exploit our weaknesses and turn the American people against one another knowing, God, that we battle not against flesh and blood. We, we fight in prayer for our leaders. And we vow as your people, the church, to chart a third way together to love, not to hate. So, Lord, we repent of the ugliness that's in our hearts, the slander that's been in our speech, and the many things and ways that we have fueled the hysteria in our grief, confusion, frustration, and impatience. Jesus, help us, your church to separate ourselves from the world and behaviors born of the flesh. Church, for who else in our world do you want to pray for? Please do that now out loud to God. And finally, God, we ask that you receive these prayers and transform us through them. That we may have eyes to see and hearts to understand not only what you do on our behalf, but what you call us to do so that your kingdom will come to fruition, just as you taught us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins so that we might forgive those who've sinned against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, go ahead and grab your Bible and turn to John chapter 14. And while you're turning there, I just want to remind you this past week in the email from the pastor, I told you that the coming week I would be sending out a video update of where we are at with the COVID-19 pandemic and processing that as a church. As uh, you know, some of the counties in our state begin to go from red to yellow. What does that mean for us? I want to let you know a little bit of how I'm thinking through that and what the board is going to be doing in the coming weeks in developing a detailed plan for reopening our facilities. And that's what it is, because as we've been saying, we're not closed, we're just doing church differently. So it is a reopening of our facilities, and we're going to give you some information on that fairly soon. So stay tuned for that in the coming week. John chapter 14, beginning with verse 15, I'm going to read through verses verse 21 from the new living translation to begin with and then as has become our pattern I'll come back with the NIV and just walk through this passage verse by verse expounding on it and asking the Lord to speak to our hearts why don't we do that right now father we ask Lord that you would by by the power of your Holy Spirit speak into our hearts into our souls a word of encouragement of comfort, but also one of conviction, correction if need be. Lord, we want to align ourselves with you. Holy Spirit, do that now as we open up the word together. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Let's read John 14, beginning with verse 15. If you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Jesus said, No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you also will live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them, and reveal myself. To each of them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You'll recall last Sunday we were in the, the 14th chapter of John and we covered the first 14 verses. And so here we are in the next section of verses 15 through 21 in John. And I won't give you all the background information again on John. If you missed that you can go back and, and listen. But I do want to help us to understand again and remind us of the particular context here and what Jesus is speaking to and speaking about in a message I've entitled, Help is on the Way. John chapters 13 and 14, you'll recall, is the upper room dialogue. Uh, That is where Jesus is spending his last hours, the remaining bit of his time, with his disciples sharing the Passover meal. And then leaving the upper room eventually to go down the valley, up the hill of the Mount of Olives into the Garden of Gethsemane where he's eventually rested. So the upper room dialogue in 13 and 14. And in 14 through 16, we have what uh, has been known as the farewell discourse. These are Jesus' last words to his disciples. And in John 14, verses 1 through 14, Jesus commands them, you'll recall, not to be troubled. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Why are they troubled? Again, because Jesus in John 13 had spoken of having to die, of going uh, to the cross. He had changed the Passover meal. He talked about betrayal. He also had uh, told Peter that Peter was going to deny him three times. So enough to shake up the disciples. And he says he's going away to the Father. This is really upsetting to them. Uh, but Jesus tells them that they know the way So that they can be together. Now, be together. We do believe Jesus means that. And later on when he returns. Today's reading, we're going to hear Jesus, as well we just read, assuring his disciples that he will not abandon them. That's good news. He's not going to abandon them and that soon he will send another advocate to be with you, to be with us forever. So our focus for the message this morning is this, waiting is a part of life, isn't it? It doesn't matter who you are, we all have to learn to wait. We do, and if we don't, things are going to get pretty miserable. And as Christians, we will inevitably be challenged to draw near to God in the waiting So, what will we choose to do while we wait? That's the first question I want us to think about this morning. What will we do while we wait? And that is a choice. And how is the Holy Spirit able to help us until we make it through the trials and encounter life on the other side? Because, again, we will all enter trials and tribulations, and we will all be put in a position where we have to wait? What will we do in the waiting? And how is the Spirit able to help us in the meantime through the trials until we get to the other side? That's what I want us to think about. So I'm going to grab the New International Version now and just walk verse by verse through this passage and and uh, unpack this a bit. Verse 15. Again, this is these are the words of Jesus. He's talking to his disciples in this farewell discourse. And he says, If you love me, keep my commands. Let's start there. If you love me in the Greek, it it actually means if you keep on loving me. It's it's an ongoing, continuous continuous action. If you keep on loving me. Now, that ought to remind you what he said back in, in the first verses of this chapter when he said, I am the way, right, the pathway. I've left you the tracks. I'm the truth and the life. That, that I'm trustworthy, I'm loyal, I'm committed, and that fruit comes from this way of following me. I've left you the tracks, follow in it. And that's what Jesus is concerned with, a, a lifestyle and keeping to the path. So same idea here in verse 15, if you love me, keep on loving me. He says, you will keep my commands or, my, or keep my commandments. Now, what does Jesus mean? What commandments is he talking about? Well, certainly he has in mind all of his, his teachings. Not just in the Gospel of John, but all of the Gospels, the Synoptics, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And for us Anabaptists, we're really concerned about the teachings of Jesus on what is known as the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. But I do think that Jesus specifically has in mind one specific command that he gave them in chapter 13. Do you remember this? Specifically in John 13, 34, and 35, he said that the whole world will know that you're my disciples by the way that you love one another. He said, A new commandment I give you love one another as I have loved you. So as I have loved you, you're to love one another. The whole world will know you belong to me by this. Now, I, I know I've said this before, but it can't be said enough. How often do we miss this as Christians? We think what's important is, is believing all of the right things, having all the correct doctrine, or, or being on the right side of the political aisle, or, or bumper stickers, or keeping Christ in Christmas, and fighting culture wars, or whatever that we want to fill in the blank with, but somehow love, uh, it doesn't become the main thing for us. It has to be the main thing for us. The greatest heresy of all, when you want to talk about doctrine, is the failure to love as Jesus has called us to love. Keep that in mind as we go through these these verses here. And notice, keeping his word here comes out of love. We know that we're living in love when we are keeping his commands, when we're following. Love is not, also hear this, love is not primarily based in emotion either. Love is not primarily based in emotion, but rather it is a decision of the will. Anybody who's married knows this, especially if you want to stay married, that, that love is a choice. It's a decision of the will regardless of how you feel. I'm starting to wrap there. Decision of the will regardless of how you feel. Okay? It's true. It, it, love looks like commitment and obedience, and this is what Jesus is talking about. So we don't have to do things to earn the love of the Father to to get in the Jesus club but the doing of the things proves that we're in do you get that don't miss it if you love me if you keep on loving me you will obey my commands that's good verse 16 verse 16 Jesus says and I will then ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever now what does he mean give you another advocate some translations say counselor Comforter. All of those words work because the Greek word here is uh, parakletos. Parakletos. You may have heard paraklete, um, the word for the spirit. It literally means in the Greek to come alongside, one who will come alongside you. And this is someone who pleads another's, another person's cause. This is someone who aids you, is an advisor to you, uh, is, is a helper you. This is why we we hear Jesus say the Holy Spirit is the helper. And there are two meanings of the word another, another advocate. In in the Greek, you could mean another of a different kind or another of the same kind. And in this case, you want to guess which one it is? Another of the same kind. Jesus is saying, I'm going to give you an advocate, a comforter, a counselor, a helper of the same kind, like me. That's interesting. Follow this, follow this. It is the same kind. In other words, the Holy Spirit is the other Jesus. Think of it that way. The Holy Spirit is the other Jesus, or as the book of Acts tells us in chapter 16, verse 7, uh, the Holy Spirit is actually called the Spirit of Jesus, and we see that in another place in the New Testament. The Holy Spirit is the other Jesus, the Spirit of Jesus. Now, Let's take a second here and just briefly talk about the Trinity. I won't go in depth here. In a few weeks, we'll have Trinity Sunday. I may say more then. But what we need to know about the Trinity, is this is a word that Tertullian, an early church father in the second third century, uh, used to coin he coined the, the term Trinity, used to describe uh, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And if you look at this chapter, especially the verses that we've just read and are getting into, you see the mention of the Father, And Jesus, who refers to himself as the Son sent by the Father, and now he's talking about himself sending the Holy Spirit. And we've got to be leery that we stay away from uh, some of the analogies that we try to use that actually lead us to heresy. Um, That is, we can say what the Trinity is not. This is not what we would call modalism, which was an early church heresy that said God is just one God who reveals himself in three different forms or or like putting on a different mask. No, the church has said, based on on what Jesus shows us, if it wasn't for the words of Jesus, we would never get this, that uh, God is three persons in one, mysteriously three in one. So a perfect harmony and community. Now, I told you a lot of analogies don't work. The, the best way I could possibly, I think, describe this, the best way I've heard it described, is to think of it this way. In 1 John chapter 4, verse uh, 8, we see where John, in his epistle, says, God is what? Love. God is love. Now, other monotheistic faiths, Judaism, Islam, would say God is loving, but the New Testament says God is, is love in his essence now how can this be think about how love works in order for love to work you have to have a lover the beloved the one who receives the love and then the love that is actually shared between them that is bigger than themselves so think of it that way God is love so therefore within God himself there is a lover the father the beloved his son and the love shared between them the Holy Spirit Another way I've heard the Trinity described is this way. The Father is the originator. So everything began and originates, has its origins in the Father. The Son is the revealer. He reveals the Father. He reveals God in the flesh, incarnate. And the Spirit then is the completer. Just as the Spirit hovered over the waters in Genesis to help create the world, Jesus sends his Holy Spirit in new creation, bringing about and completing the purposes of God through the gospel of Jesus Christ. So think of the Trinity that way, because this is what is coming up through the words of Jesus. That God is mysteriously three in one. That God is this perfect community, community and harmony and unity based in love. Now think about that. That's what our lives should reflect in the church trinitarian community so let's keep going verse 17 jesus says that the spirit is called the spirit of truth the spirit of truth this advocate or completer is the spirit of truth and and jesus said the world can't accept him of course when you think about this the truth you're going back to what jesus already said i'm the way and the truth so the spirit is acting on behalf of jesus to reveal the truth and the world can't accept him. Why can't the world accept him? Jesus said, because the world doesn't see him and doesn't know him. But you will, and, and you will. You will see, and you will know. How will you know? We'll get to that in just a second. This is what is mysterious about it and why the world doesn't understand it. So the Spirit, though, John also will tell us, if you keep reading on in chapters uh, 15, 16, and so on, you'll see that the Spirit, Jesus said, will teach us. That's what the Spirit of Truth does. It teaches us. The Spirit uh, reminds us of everything that Jesus has said. And I think I may have just said it. The Spirit is not an it. The Spirit is a person. Let's use personal pronouns, right? So the Spirit will teach us, will remind us of everything that Jesus has said. Now, um, I, I love charismatics. I didn't grow up in a charismatic tradition or, or in a Pentecostal tradition. and The, the, the Pentecostals, uh, much like we're, we're going to see in the book of Acts, which we'll be going through in the coming weeks, uh, talks a lot about the Spirit. In fact, instead of calling it the Acts of the Apostles, it's probably better to call the book of Acts the Acts of the Holy Spirit and in believing in the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the charismata of the Holy Spirit. That's where you get charismatic from. And I, and, I, and I believe in all of that. Uh, But one way that a lot of times Charismatics or Pentecostals may go wrong is focusing too much on the person of the Spirit when what the Spirit does over and over in the New Testament is point to Jesus. The Spirit doesn't want to be talked about and focused on primarily. The Spirit wants to point us to Jesus because what we're experiencing in the Spirit is the person of Jesus. That's because Jesus the Son is the revealer. That's why we worship Jesus, the one who reveals the Father. Amen? That's great stuff. That's great stuff. So so look at uh, the second part of verse 17. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Now, this is a symbiotic relationship. We're invited and being invited by Jesus into the Trinity. This is wonderful because what Christ is talking about is an, as a mysterious indwelling. What's coming isn't distance, distant another word, uh, but, but it's greater companionship and intimacy, a radical closeness with and uh, in involving the spirit to spirit, our spirit to the spirit of God. It is a relationship. It's, it's much different than how we see the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. You remember this. Uh, yes, we said the Holy Spirit's been working in creation, But we also see how the Holy Spirit resides with people, prophets, kings, but often only for a time, especially if they turn against God and disobey him, the Spirit leaves them. You remember like King Saul who lost the Spirit of God. But what happens in the New Testament is something more permanent. The Spirit comes to live and reside within us in a permanent way, married to our souls. Jesus said to be born again, Something new has happened, the old has gone, the new has come because of the Spirit and our intimacy with the Spirit. So this is what Jesus is getting at, that, that the, the world can't accept because it doesn't see him, but we will and we will know that he lives within us. And Jesus, of course, pointing ahead to Acts chapter 2 where we see Pentecost, where the Holy Spirit comes after the ascension of Jesus. In verse 18, Jesus goes on, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Now, orphans speaks of, of course, as you know, those who have been abandoned, who are vulnerable, those who are without a father, but it also could mean in the context a proselyte, so someone who's converted to the faith and their family has abandoned them. Jesus said, I will not. Everybody else might, I won't. You have a father, you, his name is God, and, and you're going to be given by the Son, the Holy Spirit, an advocate, a comforter to be with you. So whatever is about to happen, right? Listen to what Jesus is saying to his disciples. Whatever's coming, and I've told you a little bit of what's coming, you're going to be troubled, you're going to be upset, you're going, but you're going to be waiting. And in that waiting, remember what is to come. Help is on the way. Look at verse 19 and 20. Jesus goes on, he says, before long the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. Jesus returns again to obedience here, Uh, keeping to the way, as we see in chapter 14, but also abiding in him, which you're going to see in the next chapter, chapter 15, is evidence of the indwelling spirit of Christ within us and locates us within the love of God. You see, following Christ's commands are expressions of truly living with and in the God of love. Now, listen again, before we move on there from from verse 19 and 20. On that day, you'll realize that I'm in my Father and you're in me and I'm in him. I think Jesus is talking about his resurrection. But he's also talking about when he gives the Holy Spirit, as I said, at Pentecost. Then you will know. When this happens to you, there will be no doubt. No doubt that I am in my Father, my Father's in me, my words are true, and that you have been given this advocate, this comforter, this counselor, this helper, this friend to assist you and give you energy and words and power and purpose. Ah, oh, it's great. Now, so think about that. If we're, If Jesus is again returning to obedience, he's saying the evidence of the spirit is seen in keeping to the way. You wanna know how you got the spirit? You have this spirit, even in the waiting for us today, right? When we're keeping to the way, when we're manifesting the commands of Jesus in our life and we're acting on them, abiding in him, following his commands, and, and, and seeing that come out in our life is, is truly living within God, God's love. Now, Paul said it this way uh, to the churches in Galatia. Galatians chapter 5, beginning with verse 13. Listen to what the apostle Paul said. He said, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, rather serve one another humbly in love. Think about what all this means for the time we're living in right now. Verse 14, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, live in the Spirit, and you will not gratify, gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what's contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you're not to do whatever you want to do. This reminds me of what Paul said in Romans 8. I do the things I don't want to do, and that's what I keep on doing. Repentance is the key. But if you are led by the Spirit, he says in verse 18, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. You want to know what it looks like to live in the flesh? Paul tells you. He says it looks like sexual morality, for example. It looks like impurity and debauchery. It looks like idolatry and witchcraft and hatred and discord and jealousy and fits of rage and selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy and drunkenness and orgies. I can hear it's like Paul's like, hey, do you need any more? That's what the flesh looks like. And I warn you, Paul says, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those are sobering words. Remember, he's saying this to Christians. But the fruit of the spirit. Well, okay. So, here's what the flesh looks like. Blech, yucky stuff. Here's what the spirit looks like. The fruit of the spirit, Paul said, is love that looks like Jesus, joy and peace. and and patience, and kindness, and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, Paul said, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Keep to the way, Jesus said in John 14 other places he said put your hand to the plow and don't look back you'll you'll uh, plow crooked rows see all kinds of scriptures come into your mind when you're when when you're filling yourself up with the word of god so so think about this again the disciples are about to have to wait while jesus says these words he's preparing them and you know waiting can bring out the worst in us can it think about some of the negative things that we do while we wait we complain, uh, we we seek to blame people. Who can we point the finger at? And ultimately, when it's at its worst, we lose hope. We complain, we blame, and we lose hope. I couldn't help but think of the people of Israel, uh, the Hebrew folks in the wilderness after they've left e- Egypt and, and Moses had, has led them out. I was actually reading, doing some reading on my own, some Bible reading the other night, and, and was reading this and just reading, looking at how uh, the people would complain and yet sometimes God didn't think anything of this they would complain almost like little children you know it's like I'm hungry what are you gonna do about it <laughs> Now we often have to tell our boys there's a nicer way to say that but but sometimes the the asking there's not obviously there's nothing wrong with that but but sometimes we complain and with and out of a lack of faith and disbelief. We Don't we do that? And that's what we could see with the people who are in the wilderness. They couldn't go to the promised land because their, their attitudes stunk. They, they, they needed to learn how to trust and believe in God. Even after all God had done through the plagues of Egypt and delivering, parting the sea, and yet yet they're still faithless and complaining. Don't do that in the waiting. I hear God say that to us. And don't look to blame people. They eventually blame their leaders, like Moses and Aaron. We're still doing this kind of thing today, right? We wanna, we wanna look for somebody. To, our lives fall out of control, we're lacking faith, and we wanna point the finger and blame somebody. But, but listen, that is not the Jesus way. That is not the Jesus way. Instead, he wants us to be full of hope, full of love, which is expressed in that fruit of the Spirit. So instead, we should, I think, reflect on what David wrote in his waiting in Psalm 40, verse 1 through 3. Do you know this passage? It's a wonderful psalm. It's one of my favorites. Here's what David said. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire, and he set my feet on a rock. Hallelujah. And he gave me a firm place. To stand, He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Oh, we want to be like that, don't we? To be able to say, I waited for you, Lord. I waited patiently. and And what did you do? You lifted me up in time. You lifted me up and you set my foot on a rock. You lifted me up out of the mess, out of the chaos, out of the mud. And God, you gave me a firm place to stand, and you gave me a testimony. Who wants a testimony? You want a testimony through all this COVID-19 stuff? Lord knows I don't want to look back and say, man, I wasted that opportunity. Man, I, I whine like a spoiled little kid with no discipline. Now, folks, also know in the waiting, and this is very real and it's very human, like these first disciples, when Jesus dies, They grieve and that's natural, it's human, it's okay, but we can't stay there, right? We have to process it in healthy ways. Get a counselor if you need that. Get a, get a, get a therapist if you need that. Reach out to, the, to, your, to pastors, to friends, to family members. Process the grief, grief in healthy ways, but don't let it lead to despair or complaining and blaming and so forth. Don't be like the people in the wilderness. Be like the people who are ready to inherit the land. Amen. So what will you do in the waiting? Let's come back to those those focus questions. What will you do in the waiting? Will you grieve properly? Will, will, you, will you deepen your faith and trust in God during this time? It takes intentionality to draw near to God, to draw near to the church. Don't miss the Spirit. You know, here in John's Gospel, uh, you'll, you'll recall... Uh, because we talked about this a few weeks back where Thomas wasn't with the disciples, didn't see Jesus raised the first time, didn't, didn't feel his breath on them as he blew the Holy Spirit on them. You know what Thomas did? He missed the Spirit. Why? Because he left the group. He left the church. He stepped away. He didn't stay engaged. He didn't stay connected. Don't let that be said of you. Instead, draw near to God, draw near to his church in the waiting and ask the Lord to bring out more fruit of the Spirit in you. Secondly, how is the Spirit able to do this? How is the Spirit able to help us until we make it through the trials? And we know we will if we cling to Jesus, and and we have some of us stories before where God has always been faithful. How will the Spirit do this? Put another way, put another way. What are you giving the Spirit to work with to see you through the other side? Are we, are we even making the effort to engage uh, in spiritual disciplines, in some regular routines and rhythms, to engage with the church? If you're not, I, I invite you to do that. Again, go to our Staying Connected page at granthamchurch.org and look at ways that you can invest uh, one-on-one with the Lord through discipleship how you can invest in the church through small groups and, and other means, how you can care for yourself and your mental health, uh, how you can give, how you can serve, how you can stay missional during this time of waiting. What is the Spirit saying to you, and Church, through this passage in our current situation? How is he inviting you to turn from carnal thinking and behaviors so that you can follow Jesus in faith, hope, and love. Will you give that thought, listen to the voice of the Lord, and do something about it. Let's pray. Father, if we're honest, we're tired of waiting. Waiting is hard, it's painful, and it's exhausting. But we know that learning to wait well is a beautiful, sanctifying, hope-giving thing. And Jesus, we want to wait well, believing that help is on the way, So, Lord, we ask that you let your peace rule in our hearts as we live by your grace each day of this waiting and trust you in your ability to grow us and bless us in the midst of and at the end of our waiting. Thank you for hearing our prayer and responding to us out of your loving desire to bless your children with good things. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray.